0: Everyone has a story to tell. Welcome to Dingo Talk, where we explore the experiences that make us who we are. Here's your host, Carlo Guadagnino.
1: What's going on, chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk, and we have made it to the Division Three playoffs. Um, and with that, we are going to bring on JB, James Baker, uh, co-host of In the D3 Huddle, and he's going to tell us everything that went down Sunday afternoon. This interview was recorded Sunday evening. Uh, is when we could get time with him. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, the four at-large bids are Co, Wheaton, Union, and Wisconsin-Whitewater. Uh, there's already a discrepancy from some of us here at Dingo Talk as we were looking at the games that we were picking. Not really understanding how some teams got left off, some teams got left on. We have that conversation with JB as well. And the biggest question mark of the day uh, that I think is one of the funniest parts of this conversation is um, the defending reigning NCAA Division Three football champions are a two-seed in this year's tournament um, just because the NCAA decided they needed to add more bulletin board for, for material for North Central um, JB does seem to think that North Central and Mount Union are kind of on a collision course, but there's a very surprise team. Uh, may not be a surprise to you that watched the Division Three game, but there's a surprise team there that JB thinks could be very dangerous. Um, make sure that you follow us on all the social medias. That's X, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The only one that's different is the Instagram page, which is Dingo underscore Talk. If you're watching us on Spotify or YouTube. Really appreciate you. Make sure you hit that little bell and tell a friend to tell a friend. And don't forget, we are in our 30-day uh, donation campaign here that we're running. Uh, so if you are if you are able, please uh, make a donation. Um, it really is going to help us out here next season. But without further ado, this is JB. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadalino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is uh, the host of In the D3 Huddle, JB.
0: James Baker, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm the co-host. Got to got to remember uh, Mayor Rossi as well. But that uh, is true. I don't want to insult Frank. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always great to meet other uh, broadcasters or podcasters that are doing the D3 thing. Um, there haven't been a whole lot of us out there. Um, I guess we're some of the old guys now, and it's good to see some some younger, newer talent out there. Um, you know, talking about D3 football.
1: Well, so how did you get into talking about D3 football and kind of going and covering games week in and week out?
0: Well, I don't do as much traveling as Frank because I am i haven't lived on the East Coast since the mid-90s, I guess you could say. So uh, I went to Hobart College in upstate New York. I, I played football there briefly. I was a pretty bad um, college athlete, but I always remained a fan of the game and of the program. And then in, in the early 2000s, um, one of the main ways that that D3 fans really could interact with each other was on the message boards of D3Football.com. Um, you know, nowadays that seems like an archaic thing. I mean, I know Reddit still has you know that some of that stuff, but uh, back in the early 2000s, it was really the only method through which, I mean, Facebook was barely up and running. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't a whole lot of social media stuff happening. And so there was kind of this community of, of – uh, D3 fans that would interact and sort of chat about uh, the different games, what was going on weekend and week out. And and that's honestly the, the way I, I came across um, Frank initially was through that platform. And um, he and a, a guy from his local area, Frank went to Union College in Schenectady, uh, a guy named Eric Wren, who was an All-American um, tackle at RPI. Nearby Troy started uh, started doing a podcast, kind of similar to off of the Around the Nation podcast that that Pat Coleman and um, Keith McMillan started, I think in two thousand. I want to say. 2007, I believe, right. is when they started, and so, so yeah. So Frank and uh, and Eric had had created in the huddle in 2008, and they initially started in September of um, I think it was September 24th was their first broadcast, and through the D3 boards, I was aware of it. I called in. I was talking about you know perspective from a Hobart side of things. Um, and I kind of started just helping out with the the next season or so, and eventually became a full time co-host when Eric decided to sort of step away and and focus on some other stuff. And then um, so yeah, it's been 15 years, uh, 16 seasons worth that I, that I've been you know, working with Frank. We we went from being a conference specific show to a more East region show. I'd say in 2016 or 2017. And then it was um, my bright idea, especially uh, around that time, like we should try to pull in some more conferences. And and eventually we kind of got into this national platform. We, we proactively um, were very uh, positive about letting the kids play in the fall of COVID. We, we made some enemies uh, with that stance, um, but it gave us a little more of a national platform because we were one of the only guys actually talking about it. Um, we saw, and we were happy to cover games like the Coast Guard against Merchant Marine for the Secretary's Cup that year was one of the only D3 games that happened on the East Coast. There were a few schools out in the Midwest that did that, and then in the spring we did more of a national coverage of the of the spring football season, um, covering teams from Texas and Ohio and elsewhere that that played um, truncated seasons. And then, yeah, since then we 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 have tried to be more national um, in some respects. I mean. Uh, we we view you know our roots is still very tied to what is referred to in the old school days as the East region. Now it's region one two, um, but we have you know expanded to to do coverage everywhere. And and Frank really um, travels kind of across the country. Uh, I don't think he's been out to Southern California or Oregon yet, but he's been to Texas. He's been to Chicago. He's been. Um, you know, kind of all around the, the Northeast and the Southeast. I went to a game this season in Georgia when Trinity traveled to play Barry. Um, Yeah. That's where I I got this uh, thing right over my shoulder here. Uh, Unfortunately, the Vikings were not picked to be in tournament from the eye tests. I thought they were good enough to be a playoff team, but you know, there was only four at large bids. So it came down to it. They just didn't have, you know, the, the resume, unfortunately. Well, it, we
1: we're gonna get into the playoffs. The re, the kind of the way we got this conversation started of having you come on the show was, uh, my co-host in the next segment asked. Uh, it was the around that Mary harden Baylor time where they were they were falling down the standings, but they were still a top twenty-five team. Three losses. Um, can you explain a little bit of how some of the rankings come out and why? Like obviously, strength of schedule plays an important role in that, but how does a three-loss team? sit above, you know, your your Uticas at the time, your Grove Cities, your – I believe Carnegie Mellon was still undefeated at the time. You know a undefeated teams, and Mary Harden-Baylor taking uh, three out of four losses early.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think some of that has to do with a combination of the the eyeball test and the fact that when you looked at Mary Harden-Baylor's schedule at the time, all the teams that they played were ranked in, like, the top ten. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people were like, well, yeah, sure, they lost to – um, you know, the number 10 team in the country or what have you, you know, they would still beat everybody else on, you know, below that. Yeah. or something to that effect. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the polls are um you know voted on by at least for, from D3 football side. There's 25 individuals across the country um, and all of those, you know the data points are pulled you know pulled together for a single you know poll same thing with the the, the AFCA poll um you know so it's a mix of coaches mix of um people who've been associated with the site for a long time and you know at the end of the day the you know the rankings are sort of you know they're a bit subjective to a certain extent um and you know a lot of times there are just teams that have these reputations whether it's you know, there's only been six teams that have won the national championship in the last 20 years, um, so that carries a lot of weight. And when and so a team like Mary Hart and Baylor, even if they're having a down year, realistically, could still probably beat 95 percent of the other teams in the country. Um, and so I think that's why they they lasted as long as they did in in the in the rankings until they finally got to a point where they just lost too many. Once you get, I think, <laughs> past three losses, it's it's hard to stay up there.
1: Now. That obviously brings us to my, or brings me to my next point. Uh, today was a big day. We, the The bracket announcement just came out about 15 minutes before we're recording. Well, now probably 20 minutes before this recording. Um, first thing I want to talk to you about is the four at large, which mm-hmm. is Coe, Wheaton, Whitewater, and Union. Now, you and I talked about it privately through messenger about how Union was one of those teams. Everybody was, I think, everybody was kind of pulling for them to be in at large but the surprise mm-hmm. of the at-large is Co. Now, why are they yes. such a surprise when you're looking at the other teams that maybe could have got that position?
0: Um, I think the reason why they're a surprise is because they're not from a traditional power conference. I mean, the ARC has been strong, but they're not usually regarded in the same weight as like the, the WIAC or the the MIAC or the MIAC or whatever you pronounce, <laughs> you know, these conference names <laughs> or Liberty <laughs> league or the centennial, yeah. um, you they had a nine and one overall record. Their regional, uh, the record against regionally ranked opponents was one and one, and they had about a five hundred strength to schedule. Uh, so, n- all of those things were are pretty average um, mm-hmm. when you compare them against you know other teams. And so, uh, most of us thought that St. John's, for instance, even though that they, um, you know, had lost a couple of games, they were eight and two. They had a strength of schedule that was in the top ten in the country. They had a two and one record against regionally ranked opponents. They, you know, they beat Trinity in week one. They beat Bethel, who's the Miag champ. Um, so a lot of us thought that even though they had two losses and one of those losses was by twenty eight points, which was pretty bad, um, and another loss was to a, a six and four team in their conference, which was also pretty bad, mm-hmm. we still thought that the NCAA would probably put them in because they're St. John's. And lo and behold, they didn't. And so um, that was kind of a, a surprise there. And But Co getting in is definitely a head-scratcher. Um, you know, they did lose to Wartburg by only six points, but we were told um, in an earlier interview on D3Football.com that a win's a win's a loss, a loss. It doesn't matter by how many points. <laughs> but it does seem like – and we talked about this in our um, – interview with the committee chair that, that we just released uh, on Sunday night at 530 on our um, in the D3 FB huddle Facebook page and, you know, Twitter and all that other stuff. Um, we, we were kind of surprised and we, we were and really the uh, we, we walked away from it was it just seemed like the the um, the regional advisory committees or the rack, at least in region five, kind of manipulated things in such a way that helped um, carry co into this position and and um, you know, given the the log jam of teams in region two um it was unfortunate that really only union could come out of that um mm-hmm. there wasn't there wasn't room for like a Muhlenberg or Carnegie Mellon um and, and so on uh, so there's this sort of is what it is it's it's a good opportunity for the Dutch I guess but or sorry the cohawks I was thinking of Central <laughs> <laughs> also on the list um and and so that was just sometimes, you know, when you think you got to figure it out, the, the NCAA always sort of something. And, you know, we we thought that maybe strength of schedule would carry it. And we saw Hope was ranked really high in Region 4 uh, with an 8-2 and two record. And we were thinking that maybe they would get in potentially, but they didn't. So some years, strength of schedule seems to play a bigger role. This year, it seems like the overall win-loss percentage. Because the biggest thing when you look at all four of the teams that got in, All of their records were nine and one
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and at least one win against a regionally ranked opponent. And that was, that was it. Well, and it's interesting. You bring up Carnegie Mellon, obviously Grove city gets
1: there, gets the automatic bid from the PAC. This was another conversation that we had through messenger. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think I floated their name to you and and you gave a very, it was a very direct answer, but it's true. When they eliminated the non-conference or out of conference game from the PAC with the number of teams, is that kind of what sealed the fate for Carnegie Mellon of not being able to get in?
0: Yeah. And the bummer about tonight's uh, results is is that it's kind of a, it's a it's it's like almost a double um, double clapback of the sense of like, you know, for a while we thought that things were moving towards the NCAA rewarding uh, teams for taking that risk to go out and schedule out of conference games. as You know, we saw in prior years, we saw some eight and two teams that had great strength schedules get into the tournament. Well, that, that didn't happen this time around. And even though there's this strong message of, you know, yeah, it's great to you know go out and schedule these top games. The reality is, is if you don't win them, then that can come back to bite you. But the, the PACS decision to go completely all conference games that basically eliminates any strength of schedule uptick. And it even, it even hurt uh, Grove city, to be honest. I mean, they were, sitting at basically what would traditionally be looked at as a four seed mm-hmm. in region two. And they're going on the road to play Susquehanna. And there's two 10 and 0 teams that really shouldn't be playing against each other. To be honest, there should have been, they could have figured out ways to have a nine and one team go to Grove city or go to Susquehanna. They could have split things up. Um, they didn't. Uh, the mountain union bracket was unique in that regard. And that there were two matchups where two 10 and O teams. And there's only 11 undefeated teams in division three at this point, you know, out of 241. So you can do the math. It's a very select <laughs> group and yet Grove city um, with a perfect record is being sent on the road. Yeah. And, it's, 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 not it's a little thing.
1: dicey. That's a little dicey to try I, to explain it to them. Like,
0: well, they're excited because they you know, they they'll, they'll go and play anybody anywhere. Um, you know, they're just happy that they, You know, this is the first time they've been undefeated. You know, ten and zero in in their history. I mean, this is a program that went from zero and thirty three to ten and zero. It's an amazing story. Coach DiDonato has done an amazing job with their program. Uh, We got to know them over the last five or so seasons that we've been doing the ECAC bowl bid selection shows. We'll be doing that again on Monday at noon. uh, Four bowls, um, typically for um, region one, two, and sometimes three teams. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but the first time in that five-year run, Grove City won't be getting an ECAC bid because they're going to the big dance. And, you know, maybe it was a cost-cutting thing because, um, you know, both schools are in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Just It feels like they could have tried a little harder to do something there. But, yeah, the pack is definitely getting sent a message that having a, a full, you know, 10 all-conference game schedule is not going to help them in the future as far as, you know, it'll be one team that'll get into the tournament. That's it.
1: Now I know I've had some coaches on that have talked about, is there a possibility that we're adding in the future? Are we ever, are we going to look at adding regular season games and or adding teams so that instead of it being four, maybe changing it to six at large bids or eight? I know that that's a, it's been talked about, but I don't know where it all falls.
0: The next the next step, I mean, and there was um, there were some um, documents that were filed and, and I think a measure was was actually voted on in the NCAA this year where they're there. They are working on creating a budget so that there could be a 40 team tournament to actually match the access ratio that should be in place. Mm-hmm. So whether that's next season or in 25 will sort of remain to be seen, um, because at this point with two hundred and. Yeah, you know, well, I guess if you take out the the NESCAC, it's closer to 230. But still, there's, you know, 32 is not the right um, percentage of, of what should be from an access perspective. So theoretically, in another couple of years, we'll have eight more teams eligible for the tournament. So days like today where you have a Muhlenberg, you have Hope, and you have all these other teams that are sort of sitting on the periphery, they'll get into the the, the dance instead of being kind of left there Barry should have probably you know Barry would have gotten in Muhlenberg is over my other shoulder would have gotten in, you know so and that that
1: brings us to as we were we're kind of bouncing around this bracket here the other kind of big shocker to me at least when I was watching the bracket come out there's there's a defending national champion going back to the dance they're 10 and 0 and by the way the bracket reads they're a two seat
0: yeah um, and we just so we we asked uh, we asked Coach Moore this explicitly, and he basically said flat out that being a defending champion is not a primary criteria. And if you follow the criteria, then they ended up below Warburg. So that's it. Um, and that was the explanation we got. And so, yeah, um, it's it's it would have been theoretically possible that if. North Central had a similar record to Wartburg, so if they were both three and zero against regionally ranked opponents, that the um, the old the, the tiebreaker that sort of exists—I uh, don't know if it's written down or if it's sort of just known—is <laughs> um, that you know a prior year's uh, playoff performance would be the, the tiebreaker, and the fact that North Central won the tournament and Wartburg, you know, lost in the semifinals would have given the edge to. North Central, but because of North Central being who they are, um, they they can only schedule so many teams. I mean, they had to schedule a, um, you know, I think a NAIA team from Chicago to play them in in, uh, week two because they couldn't find a D3 team to play them. So uh, that 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 limits their opportunities. I think the CCIW in general really only allows um, one out of conference game based on the number of teams in it. So it's going to be tough for team, you know, for these conferences where they have uh, only one or two out of conference games to really get that uh, strength of schedule boost. And Ortberg's strength of schedule is a little bit higher, and and they had that one extra regionally ranked opponent, so they ended up um, getting one of the ones, one of the top seeds, and and uh, North Central didn't. Well, let's
1: talk about North Central. They our our guests from last week. Uh, Coach McCorkle and his Belhaven Blazers will be traveling to Illinois. How do you think that game plays for, for those two uh, teams? Are they, is that a matchup that Belhaven, I mean, obviously nobody wants to see North central in the first round of the playoffs, but um, no, no, what do you be, think so of that game?
0: No, it's going to be uh and the fact that, you know, I think now that, that North central is sort of playing with a chip on there. Like they, you know, they sort of like poked the bear, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 50 to nothing at halftime. I mean, this wow. this Central is that strong. And yeah, they're unfortunately, I think for the, I mean, the Blazers have a, have a, have a strong team, but there's really only um, literally one or two teams, I think in the, co- in the country that could even maybe, you know, compete with, with these guys. Um, so it's going to be, you know, and that's, that's a very common thing. In the uh, first round of the D3 football tournament, you'll see some really lopsided scores, um, but that just is what it is. Now, it
1: almost seems as if you're hinting that we may be on a crash course for a rematch of last year's championship. Now, does yep. Mount is Mount's biggest worry getting over Hopkins? Is that the biggest like fear in that part of the the bracket?
0: Uh, well, don't sleep on Randolph-Macon, because a lot of us um, think that they are, uh, they're legit. And if there's anybody on that side of the bracket that could beat them, uh, mm-hmm. well, beat Mount Union, it's it's Randolph-Macon. Maybe, you know, Hopkins could have a shot too. They're obviously a very strong uh, squad, but um, and in the past, the Centennial has—I mean, Muhlenberg took um, Mount Union to overtime a couple of years ago—and and so it's not out of the question that a Centennial team could defeat Mount Union. But I think honestly, the um, the the dark horse, the one the team that that if could do something and surprise people, would be Randolph-Macon. They have a combination of the right amount of size on the offensive and defensive lines. They have um, Drew Campanelli, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's an FCS transfer, um, and he's been in uh, D3 for a couple of years now. Highly accurate, big guy, strong arm. If he stays healthy, um, the Yellow Jackets can go pretty deep.
1: What do you think? You We talked about the Susquehanna Grove City game. What do you think about that game as Grove City will travel across the state to play at Susquehanna?
0: Well, this will be, you know, a a good measuring stick to see, you know, really where the, you know, where the level of the pack stands um, to, you know, kind of a more national audience. I mean, Susquehanna has been ranked in the top 25 for most of the season. They won the Centennial last year. They won the Landmark this year. Uh, I don't think they were as as challenged in the Landmark uh, as they were in the Centennial, but still, you know, Coach Briggs has built them up to be a very strong program they had that dramatic um, comeback win over at Cortland on the road earlier in the season. They beat Brockport on a crazy, you know, uh, Hail Mary that turned into a, you know, a six to five, almost uh, soccer game kind of score. And so, you know, the, 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 the River Hawks are a tough squad. They, they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball and um, but they're going up against a team that is designed to uh, really pound the ball at you. They've got, uh, some good athletes on offense and defense, so I think this is going to be a, a low-scoring, kind of knockdown, drag-out, old-school football kind of game. And
1: then the other one that I really, I'm going to come back to the Union and Delval game for last, but Springfield and Ithaca. So I watched the Ithaca game yesterday with them and Cortland, and it seemed that Ithaca had at times had Cortland kind of staggering, but then as soon as you thought Cortland was baby down, boom, big play here, big play there. What is the spring? What's, what do we expect in that Springfield-Ithaca game?
0: Well, I mean, on one hand, you know, Ithaca is a clear favorite in my opinion, but with two losses, there was a, a, a little chance that they were going to get a home game. Um, Springfield's a tough squad. The triple option can, can be a grind, but um, you know, I think Ithaca will definitely be a, a pretty heavy favorite in that one, even with the, Freshman quarterback who took over for AJ Wingfield, who was lost for the season uh, with a broken leg. So uh, you know, I think this is going to be another one. And Cortland, same kind of thing. Like the the Red Dragons, I'm sure were shocked to hear that they were on the road um, uh, to to go to, to Endicott. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what they need to do. They, there's even a common opponent there. You know, Endicott lost to Ithaca, who Cortland beat, and yet Cortland is going to Endicott. I mean, that's like a another. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't add up. But yeah, so um yeah, there will be some matchups in that uh in that bracket where the road teams will be the favorites. Um the same thing I think with Union Del Val, Um, you know, the the Liberty League is just a tougher conference than the Mac in kind of across the board. So uh they will also be favored in that game, in my opinion. And then, you know, Whitewater and Bethel, they're kind of the other one that I'm interested in because Bethel's
1: kind of uh, like they're the the home team, but Whitewater is still Whitewater. I mean, they they have that one loss to Lacrosse by three at the end of the game. I mean, it, it's just. Uh, I'm actually expect- I'm,
0: well, actually Whitewater is the home team. Uh, both them and Wheaton got the, which uh, is un- kind of unusual in a way that the at large would get to host. But I think okay. once again, once again, the the overall win loss record kind of seemed to be the the difference maker here and. and um, from a strength of schedule and otherwise, I mean, Whitewater is clearly the stronger team um, and, and they're expected to win that game. Also, I mean, the Royals are a, a, a talented team, but without Jared Roste, um, they're, they're all American quarterback from last year. Um, it'll be a it'll be a good game. But I think, you know, Whitewater will probably win that one pretty handily. Same thing, I think, uh, with Wheaton. So I'm expecting a, a, a Wheaton at Whitewater round two in that in that portion of the bracket.
1: And then so I guess my last question for you would be, who are you who are you sitting with right now? If December 15th was tomorrow, who's who's
0: going to be in the Stag Bowl? Well, it's funny. We, we talked about this on our Twitter space on Saturday night. And this season has been pretty unusual in that chalk has won kind of pretty, uh, you know, pretty consistently and from day one you know in our preseason um show on, on we we both thought that we'd get a rematch of, of north central and uh mountain union in the stag bowl um we'll see if if a johns hopkins or a randolph macon can change that on sort of the right side of, of the bracket but on the left mm-hmm. um you know it's going to be interesting uh teams like you know unfortunately just the way things kind of got set up in a way I'm, and I'm kind of surprised that lacrosse got the, the one seed um, for a number of reasons, but that, that upper left hand bracket is just brutal. I mean, Trinity, I thought would have gotten a great seeding. Their their season could be over after the second round. Like they have, they, you know, they, first they have to, to win against Harden Simmons, which is no small feat. Mm-hmm. And then they have to go to Chicago to play the, the defending champs who are pissed off because they're, they weren't a number one seed. Yeah. I mean, Trinity has the absolute hardest road to the national championship of any team that I can remember for a while. Um, and so, but they've got this, you know, loaded team of, of fifth year and, and, and fourth year seniors. So if there's somebody that could maybe do it, it could be them, but they got a really raw deal um, with that, with that pairing. And so, you know, then if, assuming that they can somehow pull off the biggest upset in a while, that yeah. they have to play probably lacrosse. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it doesn't get
1: easier as you go through.
0: No, it would be one of the more epic um, title runs we we probably ever see if they can if they can pull that off. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And then you know, is Wartburg really a one seed? Mm. You know, well, we'll I, I could see them getting knocked off um, by by Whitewater or someone in that bracket. Maybe Wheaton if they if they beat the Warhawks. And then the biggest question mark too is like, does Aurora? who, who beat Whitewater last year, do they, do they upset lacrosse or something, you know, who knows what happens yeah. there. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll see. There haven't been a lot of big upsets this year Um, to be honest. So if we get them in the playoffs, that would be kind of cool. But so far things have kind of played out uh, with the favorites winning and, and until something big changes, I think that's kind of what prognosticators, you know, will will lean on. Well,
1: J.B., I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to, one, clarify some things for the people that watch our show. Um, For those of you that don't know, if you haven't yet, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on Spotify, check out uh, In the D3 Huddle with Frank and J.B. Um, Again, I want to say thank you very much. And You guys know what comes up next. We go to overtime. We pick. I think we're picking more than 10 games this week because there's no point in only picking half the playoffs. So uh, we'll be right back, Chuckleheads. Welcome back, Chuckleheads. This is Overtime with Serenity Brown. I'm Carla Guadagnino. I'm not Serenity Brown. That's her. Uh, Before we do anything, let's talk about the regular season champion on the picks. Uh, DB beat the piss out of us. 89 wins, 21 losses. I came in second place, 83 wins, 27 losses. 79 wins and 31 losses. So now the Please. benchmark number for next year is you got to get 79 wins. Uh, I just want to say. Hey, 79 wins is a hell of a. You At 100 games, you were at 70%. I'm a competitive person. So that, uh, I know it bothers you. upsets me, but. Um, for those of you that watched the show, we just uh, finished up with JB from in the huddle, in the D3 huddle, sorry, he's a co-host. We do need to extend an invitation to the mayor, Frank Rossi, uh, so we can get the tandem from Division three in the Division three huddle on the show. Uh, we talked with JB about everything that happened Sunday. We've had our time now to sit and contemplate all those things that happened uh, since then the bowls have been announced, so I want to congratulate some of the former guests that we've had. That's Carnegie Mellon, Utica, Widener, WJ, Bridgewater, Wilkes, and Lycoming. They're all going bowling. So congratulations to those, those teams. And then our playoff teams, which we are going to get into our picks: uh, Bellhaven, Whitewater, Grove City, Susquehanna, and Union. Congratulations to you guys. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify, I'd really appreciate it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you would be so kind, go on to the social medias, give us a follow, talk to us there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The only one that's different is the Instagram page. That's dingo underscore talk. Um, but as JB said, there's some real question marks going into this uh, this playoff season. Um, and the, the one that really jumps out to me, and I pointed it out to you yesterday, I have the top 10 From the coaches poll and the D3.com top 25 poll for the regular season. Um, The top three schools are the same. Two of those schools got one seeds. Um, The unanimous number one team in the country did not. Uh, So, and I've listened to some other podcasts and whatnot throughout the week just to kind of see where, gauge where everybody is. And everybody's saying, you know, if North Central needed... A little bit of a chip this is enough how many one podcast actually said how many national championships does north central have to win before somebody gives them a little bit of respect uh and for those of you who don't know 2019 uh runner up in 2021 champion again in 2022 now here we go into 2023 the road to salem uh and with that road being opened let's start our picks here um We're starting fresh, fresh, fresh. So, this is a whole new, it's a whole everything standing wise will be based, and then obviously we'll look at them total. Maybe I can have my comeback. So, first game on our board Minnesota Morris at UW lacrosse. The entire group picked lacrosse. Next up, and I think the most controversial team in. Um co at Aurora. And the group felt that we needed to vote all the same again because Co. Uh next up, this is our first split. No, we all voted for Aurora, but I said because I think there's a okay. controversy between uh I I You had me confused. Particularly I don't think, and that's nothing against Co. I just think there were other teams that maybe could maybe had a stronger strength of schedule, but I'm not one That's of the people not, on the just committee. just the way you worded it confused me. I'm a little And I, I want to be clear there. I I'm not one of the people on the committee. I just think that, you know, strength of schedule-wise and some of the wins for the other teams that were out there. Um, but this is our next game up is our first game where we split. Uh, it's Harden-Simmons at Trinity. Uh, I took Trinity. And me and DB took Harden-Simmons. We'll come to the last game in that region. This is going to be a tough region to get out of alive with for some of these teams. Uh, our f- guests from last week, Coach McCorkle and, Bel- and the Bellhaven Blazers, will travel to Nappyville to play the defending national champions, the number two seed. There are no seeds. I need to say that as well. There are no seeds when it comes to this. It's all based on regions. Uh, but they will be traveling to North Central, and the group decided North Central. North Central. We love Bellhaven, good people, but um, it's a powerful. What you got to do? It's a powerful team there in yeah. Naperville. So, and I think again, I think there's going to be definitely a chip on their shoulder. I think um, JB even said it. We could see a lot of points come out of North Central very quickly, just to say like, "Hey, remember us." So, um, next up is Illinois at Wartburg. We all took Wartburg. Next up is Chapman at Whitworth. We all took. Whitworth. And again, our break. Mount St. Joseph at Wheaton. I took Wheaton. And me and Davey took Mount St. Joseph. Next up is Bethel from Minnesota at Wisconsin Whitewater. The group took. Whitewater. The War Warhawk Nation is, uh, once again, they're rolling into the playoffs and uh, that kind of seems to be their section to lose. I'd I like to see the ironic part of Wheaton and UW Whitewater if they win, they'll both be an at large team, an at large bid team playing each other in the second round. Um, so, next up, Alfred State at what most people think will be a team in the Stag Bowl in Salem, Mount Union. Unanimously, Mount Union. Mount Union uh DePauw and alma now this is a game two 10 and 0 teams um i think it, it's an interesting matchup but i i, wanna, I don't want to go against alma every time i pick against alma that was my reasoning for picking alma we all, we pick all alma. Alma. <laughs> uh here's the next breakup uh interesting enough I believe that you and I are on the same side we for this DB one. The here. the Red Dragons of Cortland uh, watched their game against Ithaca. They kind of, every time Ithaca was looking to make a comeback, the Red Dragons kind of really quickly put that aside. Um, so we took Cortland. DB took Indicott. Another break here, and uh, I, I'm doing this out of loyalty to the PAC. Um, and because I think Grove City is a hell of a football team. Grove City at Susquehanna. This is a game that I think didn't have to be the teams playing each other. These are two 10-0 teams. They both should have had the opportunity to host based off of the seasons that they had. Um, I took Grove City. You and DB.
0: Took Susquehanna. And they haven't
1: let me down no. yet. So. Well, they're 10-0, so that I, would, I would think not.
0: So <laughs> I'm saying. Haven't let me down.
1: Uh, next up is West Connecticut. Uh, At Johns Hopkins, putting the documentary that we watched aside, Johns Hopkins is who we all voted for. I I felt the need to say that for you. You didn't need to. Next is the other at-large bid, or the last of the at-large bids on the board, Union at DelVal. And as a group, we took a friend of the show, Union. (laughs) So um, uh, Ithaca at Springfield. Again, we're taking the road team, uh, Ithaca, as a group. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, and this is a team that JB said in, in the episode that you guys are going to want to watch out for. Um, after, uh, and I've heard from a couple different places, we want to see one or two browns of the playoffs here, but Randolph-Macon seems to be a team that a lot of people have their eyes on. Um, and as a group, we took Randolph-Macon over, Christopher Newport. I was about to say, you're going to say the other team, are they just getting left out? I was getting there. There's there's a delivery to this thing. I I haven't figured it out yet, but we're getting there. We're trying new things every day. Um, I also asked at the end of the show, one of the last questions I asked JB was, does he think that we're on a crash course for a rematch of last year's um, national championship? Do you have any thoughts on that? Quite on that. It was Mount Union North Central was who played last year. I think there's a lot of good teams, but I think it's a high probability. I think North Central again. has the has the harder road just by their little where yeah. their their bracket. They're going to have to go through across Trinity harden Simmons if out of that game. Um, or Aurora's not a slouch either, so that that's kind of a Uh, And this is an argument that's been made for the Mount Union side. A lot of the, you, you read some of the tweets from the D3 universe and it's, could we have made it any easier for Mount Union to get to Salem? I actually saw one that said when the committee sat down, the first thing on the criteria was how do we get Mount Union to Salem? Let's be real. This is Mount Union. This is still the second, in some people's eyes, the best team in the country. I don't think anybody's given them an easy trip. Any of the, the teams that we've talked about heavily, you know, the White Waters, your lacrosse, North Central, but specifically Mount Union. I don't think anybody's handing Mount Union a trip to Salem. Mount goes out there and does Mount things, and that's why. They work for it. it well, that's why they're one of the most known Division Three programs, if not college programs, uh, in the country. That being said, I wish you the best of luck in the playoffs. We hope that you'll come back next week. Uh, I believe we're going to go talk with some landmark coaches. And uh, best of luck to everybody starting off the playoffs, and let's go dancing.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Dingo Talk. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. For more info and to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dingo Talk.